Okay. All right, chapter 7 of, of um, 2 Samuel. Um, I'm going to, we're going to do a little running, but not, not much, but uh, um, we'll, we'll start off with this. Now it came about when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest on every side from all his enemies, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells within tent curtains. In chapter 5, if you just want to hold your finger there, turn back a page. Chapter 5, verse 11, Then Hiram the king of Tyre, sent messengers to David with cedar trees and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built a house for David. So he was, he was there. He had been given rest on every side, Scripture says. So there were no wars. Things were, were, were peaceful. And you might say, he was bored. Uh, what's I've always been taught, you know, the idle mind is the devil's workshops. Well, maybe not here, but in another chapter or two, we're going to find that how that goes. But um, he he wanted a project, so he said to Nathan, he says, uh, "I live in a house of cedar." But the ark of God dwells within tent curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your mind, for the Lord is with you. And we've, we know that. Uh, he's been with David from the very, very, very beginning. Verse 4. But in the same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Are you the one who should build a house, build me a house to dwell in? Question mark. For I have not dwelled in a house since the day I brought you up, the sons from Egypt, even to this day. But I have been moved about in a tent, even in a tabernacle. Wherever I have gone with all the sons of Israel, did I speak a word with one of the tribes of Israel which I commanded uh, to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? <laughs> so um, the Lord was talking to, to Nathan, and Nathan went and told, told David, You know, I'm happy in the tent. You you want to build me a house, but I haven't asked for a house. And uh, so in verse 8, he kind of turns the table. The Lord turns the table on, on David. And from verse 8 through verse 17 is what we have known as God's covenant with David. 
beginning in verse 8. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be rulers over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies before you, and I will make you a great name, like the names of the great men who are on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again. Nor will the wicked afflict them any more as formerly. Even from the day that I commanded the judges to be over my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise you up, your descendants after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When, the, when he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the son of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, who I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. We've often said that the Lord is not, uh, his promises are long, long, long. What he says he's going to do, it might take him 400 years to get there, but he's going to do what he said. Back in Genesis 49, when Jacob was giving his sons their blessing, uh, he came down to Judah. Uh, in verse 8 of chapter 49, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Uh, and your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall the obedience of the people. So even over, I don't know, 800 years maybe, uh, God has promised to bless the tribe of Judah. And David was from the tribe of Judah. We know we, when we were looking at, uh, at the lineage, we went back to Ruth where uh, the, the lineage is there. If you, if you just want to turn back a few pages to the to the left 
and we have the little book of Ruth, and it's the last chapter of Ruth. Uh, and um, <clears throat> Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. The neighbor women gave him a name and said, The son has been born to Naomi. <clears throat> they named him Obed, and he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And he goes on to tell us, and then we were in first in Matthew, the first chapter before. Uh, we know that uh, he established David in the line of Judah and is in the lineage of of, of Jesus <clears throat> this, the first I really want you to see is in Luke chapter 1 if you will turn with us to Luke chapter 1 Matthew, Mark, Luke Luke chapter 1 <clears throat> and this is uh Prior to John being born and Jesus' birth was being foretold, Luke chapter 1, let's begin reading in verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So the promise that Nathan is telling to David that we're going to set aside your house forever, and, and your throne is going to be there. And when Jesus was born, the prophet said here, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. David was a unique guy, as we know, and he was, uh, he was a God after God's own heart. He was not perfect, as, as we know. And yet, he had a reverence for the Lord, and he knew what he, what he, uh, what he was saying. Um, Pastor Bobby and, uh, mentioned the other night, and we've all, <laughs> we've all said it ourselves, uh, you know, this simple little psalm that he wrote in 23. Um, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. <clears throat> After the prayer, in verse 18, uh, or after Nathan had, had told him that he was going to have a prophetic line and a covenant with David 
David didn't have to do anything. It was God was going to do the doing. Verse 18 of chapter 7. Then David the king went in and sat before the Lord. Um, this, what he's fixing to say here in the rest of the chapter, part of it is present, part of it is past, and part of it is future. And, and, and David is just acknowledging this. In verse 18 he says, And David the king went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? You and yours, in, from verses 18 through 29, <laughs> is mentioned 38 times, you and yours. And um, and uh, your and uh, your servant is mentioned ten times, and your house is mentioned fifteen times. So there's a lot of repetition in here. But David had some things he he wanted to say. So I can just imagine, you know, David went into the 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 tabernacle there, and he pulled up a chair, and he says. Who am I, Lord, and what is my house that you've brought me this far? And yet this was insignificant in your eyes, O Lord God, for you have spoken also of the house of your servant concerning the distant future. And this is a custom of man, O Lord. Again, what more can David say to you? For you know your savior, your servant, O Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your own heart, you have done this greatness to let your servant know. Have you ever used the expression Somebody may greet you and say, uh, how are you doing or how are things going? And you might come back and use the statement, I'm better than I deserve. Have you you've said that sometime? David is sitting here before the Lord. And it says... <laughs> You're the God of heaven. And you know me like nobody else. I challenge you to sit before the Lord with a piece of paper and a pen or, or just thanking for where you are, what you have. How many times have we talked to about it, Velt and I have. I assume we're not unique. You know, we've all got our problems. But I want my problems. I don't want yours. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's, I'm content with, to deal with what I've got. But <clears throat> the Lord knows us. He made us. He put us where we are. 
And we've got so very much to praise him about and thank him for. And David's just pointing out, out his heart. He said, Lord, you know me. You, 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 know, you know me. Uh, what more can I say? For the sake of your word and according to your own heart, you have done this greatness to let your servant know. Now in verse 22, he says, For this reason you are great, O Lord. There is none like you. There is no God besides you, or according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation on earth is like your people Israel, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people to make a name for himself and to do a great thing for you and an awesome thing for your land before your people whom you have redeemed for yourself from Egypt, from nations, and from their gods. For you have established for yourself, your people Israel, as your own people forever. And you, O Lord, have become their God. Israel was, is, and always will be God's people. And we've, when you, when you want to know why, when you get to glory, you can ask the Lord. But he, he, he said, they're my people. And he's going to bless them. And he's going to be with them. I heard a preacher when I was much younger say that there'll never be peace in the Middle East until the Prince of Peace comes back. And I think that's true. Uh with all that's going on, <laughs> I don't know what the end is, but, but I know that we've got another tick on God's clock, and, uh, and he's going to take care of his people. And the people who buck him, he told us in chapter 12 of Genesis, I'll bless them that bless you. And one reason America's been blessed, I think, is because we've always had Israel's back. And it scares me, some of the rhetoric we hear. They're God's people, and they always will be. And I, I didn't say it. Scripture just said it. He said it to, David said it back to the Lord here. He says, they're your people. You established your people is your own people forever, and you, O oh God, have become their God. Verse 25. Now therefore, O oh God, the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and his house, confirm it forever. And do as you have spoken, that your name may be magnified forever by saying, the Lord of hosts is God over Israel. And may the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
have made up revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Now, Lord, oh Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing may the house of your servant be blessed forever. Maybe in his boredom he said, I think I'll build the Lord a house. Nathan came to him and said, the Lord didn't ask for a house. I'm okay in the tent. But this is what I want to do for you, David. Your kingdom will last forever. And as we go on through Scripture, we we won't see it. It's in in Kings, and we we're, we're not we're going to go somewhere else when we finish Samuel. But if you read ahead, you know, you'll know that that um, David wasn't allowed to build the house, but Solomon did. And, and it was a great house, as we've talked in prayer meeting and other times. But when Nathan told David what he could expect, then he pulled up a chair in the tabernacle and says, Lord, I thank you. Folks, gratitude and thanksgiving should roll off our lips practically continually for all that we have. All that we have. And this is what David was saying. Okay, we're going to chapter 8. Now after this, it came about that David had defeated the Philistines and subdued them. David could, took, could, excuse me, took control of the chief city from the hands of the Philistines. He defeated Moab and measured them with a line. Now, I don't know if you're like Belton and I, but we reading through Scripture like we've done for the last six or seven years, it's, it's a bloody mess. And I don't know why some of these things happen. But God said it. It's in Scripture. I believe it. I don't necessarily understand it. And this is a little, little thing here that's kind of funny to me. Verse 2, he defeated Moab and measured them with a line, making them lie down on the ground, and he measured two lines to put to death and one line to keep alive. And the Moabites came the servants of David, bringing tribute. Uh, he lined two people up. 
If you were on the right side, you got to live. If you were on the wrong side, you didn't. I can't make sense of that, but that's, that's what it says. Then verse 3, David defeated this guy, uh, king of Zoabath, and he restored rule at the Euphrates River, which is there today. The river of Euphrates where was up Babylon, which is no more. You can't even find any remnants. It's just a sand lot now. Uh, but yet, when God used them, Babylon was a great place. Uh, David put a garrison, verse 6. David put a garrison among the Armenians of Damascus, and they became servants. And the Lord helped David wherever he went and he goes he goes on down and we pick up the same refrain again in verse 14 and the Lord helped David wherever he went and he he got he got silver and gold and bronze verse 11 says that David dedicated these to the Lord with the silver and gold he dedicated from all the nations which he had subdued. Verse 15, So David reigned over Israel, and David administered justice, righteousness for his people. And then he gave his cabinet here, who these people are. Chapter 9. David said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And uh, he asked a question and somebody went to Google and he found out that it was Zeba. And they said, uh, Zeba, he called him and he said, Are you Zeba? And he says, I am. Verse 3, And the king said, Is there anyone in the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? And Zeba, who is the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. Hold your finger there and turn back to Second Samuel 4. And Second um, Samuel 4, 4. You with me? Now Jonathan Saul's son had a son crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. He was five years old when his daddy and his granddaddy were king, killed in battle. And the nurse took him up and fled. And it happened that in her hurry to flee, he fell and became lame, and the name was Mephibosheth. So this young boy was still alive. So in verse 3 of chapter 9, um, 
And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled, both feet, and his name is Mephibosheth. The king said to him, Where is he? And they brought him in. Verse 6, Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face, prostrate himself. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he said, Here is your servant. David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and he will restore you to the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again, he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard him as a dead dog like me? Then the king said to Saul's servant, Ziba, and said to him, All that belongs to your master and all his house I have given to your master's grandson. Now hold a finger there and turn over to Samuel, 2 Samuel 16. Just go over a little bit. 2 Samuel 16. Verse 1 of chapter 16. Now, what was happening here was uh, Absalom, Saul's, excuse me, David's son, uh, had kind of usurped some authority and he wanted the people to follow him and and David was actually fleeing from Jerusalem and in verse 16 chapter 1 now when David had passed a little beyond the summit behold Ziba the servant of Mephibosheth met him with a couple of saddled donkeys and all of them were 200 loaves of bread 200 clustered of raisins a hundred summer fruit a jug of wine and the king said to Ziba why do you have all these and Ziba says the donkeys are for the king's household to ride and the bread and the summer fruit are for the young men to eat and the wine for whoever is faint in the wilderness to drink when the king said and where is your master's son and Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is staying in Jerusalem. For he said, Today my house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. And so the king said to Ziba, Behold, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours. And Ziba said, I prostrate myself. Let me find favor in your sight, O Lord the king. So, what was happening here, <laughs> he was kind of lining up with, uh, with Absalom. But he, he said, where is Ziba? I mean, where is Mephibosheth? And he, he lied to him. He says, today at the house of Israel will restore the kingdom to my father. All right, turn on over a few few pages to chapter 19. 
and this is after David has been back, restored back king. And in verse, uh, verse 17, And there was a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Zeba the servant of the house of Saul, and fifteen sons and his twenty servants with him, and they rushed to Jordan before the king. Skip down to verse 24. Then Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and he had neither cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day that the king departed until the day he came home in peace. And it's when he came to Jerusalem, he met the king, and the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? He answered, O my lord the king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself, and I will ride it on and go to see the king, because of your servant is lame. Moreover, he has slandered your servant to my lord the king, but my lord the king is like the angel of God, therefore do what is good in your sight. For all my father's household have nothing but dead men before my lord the king, yet you have searched, set your servant among those who ate at his own table. What right do I, excuse me, what right do I have yet that I should complain any more to the king? <clears throat> uh, so, verse 29. So the king said to him, Why did you still speak of your affairs? I have decided that you and Zebul shall divide the land. So, it's a, just a little spinoff here. You can go back to chapter chapter uh, 9 that God had given the land to Mephibosheth but after this little carrying zone here with uh, with Zeba he wound up losing half of the half of his land verse 9 of chapter 9 the king called Saul's servant Zeba and said to him all that belongs to Saul and your house I will give to your master's grandson but we've just read that that didn't, that didn't hold up. Verse 10, You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him and bring the produce to the master's grandson, may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. <clears throat> Verse 11, Then Zeba said to the king, According to all that my lord has commanded his servant to do, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table with, as one of the king's sons. Uh, <laughs> what tangled webs we weave, you know, when we try to deceive. And uh, David, all, he just, I, I don't know why, but he said, is there anybody in, David, in Saul's or Jonathan's household that I can be, be nice to? And this was a story there. Uh, it's always good to be good. Okay. Um, well, we'll keep on going in, in the book, and um, we'll see where, where it takes us next week. We'll pick up with chapter, uh, chapter 10. Now, let me say this, um, the way Scripture's laid out. We have First and Second Samuel. We have First and Second Kings. We have First and Second Chronicles. These are all history books, but there's overlapping in in 
in the books. For instance, we've just read pretty much all of chapter 7 about David's covenant. Well, if you go to 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 17, you see it duplicated. So 2 Samuel 7 is uh, duplicated to, to, to much degree uh, in 1 Chronicles 17. Next week we're going to start in chapter 10, and chapter 10 is also duplicated in, in chapter 19 of 1 Chronicles. But that's not true in every case, but in these two chapters, it's, al- it's almost identical. Um, the story is identical, but some of the, the wording is not the same. So that's just the way somebody laid out scriptures many, 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 many years ago. <clears throat> Any, anything else we need to add? Any questions? Okay. Second Samuel, and well, Samuel all along has is, is been a group of stories, and, and we'll continue on those group of stories, and yet they fill in the blanks of a lot of what's happening to the nation of Israel. Uh, especially in in Samuel where they were granted a king. The Lord allowed them to have a king and that was their downfall from then on because so as the head leader of the country goes, pretty much goes the nation. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I think that's true today too in a lot of cases. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for everything. Bless us as we go from this place, and we'll give you the praise for everything that's said and done. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Okay.